fucking... Oh, I hate Skype. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Phil. And this is... Yeah, you do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Ross and Phil talk movies. Welcome back yes. to the podcast, buddy. Hello. Hello, hello. What's, happened, been? To, what's happened to the last time? You've moved. I've moved. I've directed a short film. We're posting Vengeance 2. Cannes tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you go You go to the, the Khan, Khan had a, Festival. Had had a wisdom tooth out. <laughs> it's all been a bit fucking mental. Jesus. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a lot. Um, we haven't missed much. I interviewed Drew last week, uh, Drew Cullingham, oh, yeah. about his film Shed of the Dead. That's, that was yeah. the last podcast that went out. Um, I really enjoyed Shed of the Dead. It was good fun. Uh, and it was good to have Drew back on the podcast after... Um, I mean, not that he's ever been on this podcast, but we used to podcast with him previously. Yeah, of course. Although he was on the Top Gun commentary podcast that we did post back a few months, post out a few months ago. Yeah, that was a mistake. I mean, what reposting it or doing it in the first place? I think I think both. Like I, don't, <laughs> I just really forgot how how bitey it gets near the end. Oh my god, we we really do like literally hate each other by the end of that. I mean, that was it's great. That was a real <laughs> special podcast. That one for I, I, I think that was the point where I realised that that film exploitation as it was was pretty much done. <laughs> when you, when you have people on a podcast that basically can't even talk about a film. I mean, it was pretty untalkable about that. That was the weird thing. Yeah, it's weird. I think we, because we've tried it three or four times. Um, and I think the only two that have really worked was Commando. And unfortunately, I just cannot find that old episode. Um, oh. Which means we're just going to have to do it again at some point. What a shame. <laughs> Night- nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. And Showdown in Little Tokyo. And those two worked mm. really well. But then we tried to do it for Never Too Young to Die. Didn't work. It, that didn't work at all. At all. And then we tried to do it for Top Gun, which also didn't work. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... So, actually, actually, what we should do, then, is just do Mark L. Lester films. Yeah, that's exactly... Ter- pterodact- pterodactyl. Oh, my God, <coughs> I remember seeing pterodactyl at Cannes. Class of 99, all that stuff. Oh, great. mate, pterodactyl. I remember seeing that, because we went mm. out with Mark in the evening, if I remember rightly. I, I do remember, it was very good. Um, it was a good night out. Um, uh, if I remember rightly, in, in full respect, he was punching well above his weight that night. And also, he was, um, if I remember correctly, Pterodactyl was, at, uh, up to a certain point, one of the, high, like, the highest no. rated sci-fi film like, in, sci- in the sci-fi channel. Yeah, right? it was. Until Sharknado it was came along, it yeah. was their biggest film, I think. And actually, mm. if I remember, look, that year at Cannes, what do I remember seeing? Mm. Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. That is it. Um, we also watched that really cool monster truck movie where the, mon- the trucks ate each- eight people. I'm trying to remember that one. Monster Man? Was Monster, Monster Man, Man, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and ironically, what a weird thing. Today we're going to be talking about hidden gem movies, and that, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. opening was not planned. <laughs> 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 but first, Ross, our new mini feature, what was the last film you saw? Okay, so um, I guess there's two versions of this. There's like what it was literally the last film I saw. Yeah, that, I mean, I that's think, the point of it. No, 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 but, the then, but then I also think, like, what was the last new film you saw, if you see what I mean? Like, because there's, cause there's two different ways of looking. Like, what's the late, like, what's the most recent released film? And then what was the last film? Because we watch films all the time. <laughs> okay. So the most recent 
So the most recently released film that was the last film I saw was Avengers Endgame. Ah, okay. Uh, so really to contextualise this, you were a bit disappointed with a um, Infinity War. Oh, it was bad. I wasn't just disappointed. I just think it was slow and repetitive. And <clears throat> I, <clears throat> there were good bits in it. And I watched it again just before I saw uh, Endgame because I, I watched a bunch of the Marvel films, which ended up being quite useful. Yeah, yeah, um, very useful. And in, but Infinity War, you could easily cut half an hour out of it. And then Endgame, I don't think you could cut anything out of it, which is weird given how much longer it is. For a um, three-hour, three-minute film, yeah. it is it's, really yeah. lean. It is. I was very surprised. There's and not Infinity a wasted frame. No, well, I mean, debatable, but barely any. Like, I couldn't, while I was going through, I, I couldn't go, well, you could get rid of this. Yeah. You could get rid of this. It was all relevant. And I just felt that Infinity War, it, I mean, it was enjoyable. Like, it wasn't I didn't like it. I liked it actually less the second time. I thought I might like it more the second time. Oh, like, because I'm at home and I'm yeah. relaxed. You know what I mean? Like, and there's no. But I'm with, do you know what? Weirdly, I'm with you on that. I liked it's it. Not, I liked it quite a lot the first time I saw it. And the second uh, time, I was like, uh, it's a bit. Mm. And I agree that Endgame is a better film. And it's. Yeah. It's a film. You know yeah, what I mean? Infinity War, Infinity, War, Infinity War does feel like it's being made so that you have to watch Endgame. Yeah. And. I'm not saying that's a terrible thing necessarily. And I think it does begin very, very well. And the ending is brilliant. Like it's yeah. not that it's not good. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable, but I didn't enjoy And here's the weird thing. I watched Ultron again. Yeah. Ultron is one I really don't like. Yeah, ditto. I, I, I like it more now. I don't know how to explain it. I like it more now. I, it's, it's still got problems, like problem yeah. problems. So um, I... Not least of which is the Scarlet Witch's foreign accent, which I've completely oh. forgotten about. She's got this awful accent in yeah. that film, and then the dropped it. And then they clearly, which but they dies. sensibly dropped. Well, they yeah. sensibly dropped it. To yeah. be fair. But I um, I yeah, I for whatever reason, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not going to go Ultron good because it's definitely got issues. It's, it yeah. was less of a thing. Maybe it's because in the context of other films, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, I I liked um, I I liked uh, uh, Infinity War when I saw it. I think Endgame is infinitely better. Age of Ultron's not yeah. one I've ever been a fan of. But weirdly, I've just started. So I've just started to try and get my daughter back in, or into Marvel mm. films. So we watched Guardians of the Galaxy, and she really enjoyed that. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be selective. I mean, I'm not gonna give yeah. her the Incredible Hulk and Thor: The Dark World to chew on, or Iron Man Two, for or example. Iron Man Two. Yeah, but mm. I think actually, yeah, the Avengers film is something I'm gonna I'm gonna give another shot. And so the last film mm. I um. I watched was uh, Pet Cemetery. I do want to see that, but I've heard very mixed things about it. <sighs> the eight, the not eighties, no nineties, ninety, yeah. whatever it was. No, um, like, it's like ninety one or it was yeah, like ninety yeah. or ninety one. So it's a better film. If I, I might have it's a bit of scary. Do, no, no, do, no, no, no. I watched it recently. It's really scary. Oh, good. It's like I'm really, glad it Miko, Hugh, Miko Hughes as the kid. It's terrifying. And then there's also you know the whole thing where he's having the nightmares about his is it his sister. <laughs> Yeah, and and the sister is uh, it's actually played by a guy, and he's absolutely terrifying. Am I getting that right? Is it a sister? I think I it's a sister. He's right, yeah. having nightmares about or rec recollecting these troubles he had with his. I'm sure it was his sister, and it's actually played by a guy. I mean, sorry, she is actually played by a guy, which I'd never noticed before, and absolute, really, really scary. Like, I, and I don't remember it being that scary. I really, really scary. Uh, see, so now, now the one thing that, that Pet Cemetery wasn't was scary, and it had some interesting. Yeah. I mean, that really this gives nothing away, by the way. That iconic pic, that quite iconic imagery of of like the kids mm. in masks. Yeah, it looks good. Which looks I was good. like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That I mean, what you see there mm. is it. Mm. 
Right. That's kind of like the poster is kind of all of it. Yeah. And it just cast a fine, but they make some very weird choices. Um, and I just kind of, I found myself drifting off during it right. and, and thinking about yeah. other things. And I, I think that's always a, always a bad, bad sign. But um, so I, no, I, 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 I thought maybe I just had a bit of rose tinted on the, uh, on the original, but obviously not. No. So and then, so just as for the very last film I actually did watch, like the film I watched most recently. <coughs> no, no. That, that's in about 20 minutes. I was going to say, you um, watch that every day. It's going to be about 20 minutes. No, the most recent film I actually watched was... So, there's a filmmaker called Neil Breen. No. Neil Breen has made... Well, he's made several films. He is. He makes Tommy Wiseau look like Scorsese. Uh, wow. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was one of the most deliriously enjoyable experiences I've ever seen in the six. So, because basically, just to be clear, the Prince Charles Cinema has been screening some of his films. Oh, much like Green, they did yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Yeah. Um, wow. They showed, they showed Fateful Findings. I recommend every human listening to this to watch the trailer for Fateful Findings. The film is even more insane and crazy. I have never seen a film before where I could not at all, not once, predict the next thing that was going to happen. Like, I mean, every single line of dialogue, every single reaction, the way it's edited, if you can call it that, the way, <laughs> like, like every single event that happens in the order, you could never have predicted it. Oh, never. Okay. It's, it's therefore one of the most pure 10 out of 10 films you could possibly, um, it has more creepy kissing scenes in it than you could I mean, possibly imagine. I'm looking it's, at Neil Breen and he looks like, he looks like a cross between Tommy Wiseau and, well... Right, it's hard to explain. Weirdly, so, in the picture I'm looking at, Tommy Wiseau and Sylvester Stallone in, in Saturday Night Fever. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, I can't recommend watching the trailers enough, if nothing else, and to watch the feature in the cinema with, an, with a packed crowd that was absolutely cheering at every moment. Okay. I, I, I physically shouted the words no a number of times. <laughs> when I literally shouted no, 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 don't do that. Like, don't, like at the screen, when you were going to see, like, his bum or, like, when you okay. do some kissing with a very creepy... It is creepy beyond my ability to explain to you. Okay, so, I'm in, right? It's wonder uh, wonderful. Uh, 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 Faithful uh, findings. So faithful findings. Faithful findings. I'm in. And, <laughs> and again, fits in nicely with our theme of the podcast this week. Ah, yes. Because we're going to talk about hidden gems. Now... Uh, the qualification here is really simple. It's a film that you might not, that other people might not be aware of, right? We watched a lot of movies, and I've watched some utter shite, but I've watched some great films that, that like some occult films, some people might have heard of in the periphery. But you know, there are some brilliant films out there that just get lost in the ether, and especially now we don't have that wonderful discovery like we used to have with VHS where you'd go into the video store and there'd be like a line of films that had been released that week, and you'd be like, ooh. That film's got vanity in it. I know vanity because she was in such and such a movie. I'll rent yeah. that. Uh, which brings me on to my first two, uh, which make possibly the best back-to-back ever. Um, but, and, and they were back-to-back simply for the reason that I saw Action Jackson. Oh, it's best. Um, one week and then went into the video store the next week and vanity was in Never Too Young to Die, which we've referenced <laughs> today. Um... So Action Jackson and Never Too Young to Die are the best double bill ever because if you want cheesy 80s action films, 
well, I was going to add to that because if you vanity specifically, the last dragon. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Which is absolutely fascinating. That being an amazing triple bill in any shape or form. So, Never Too Young to Die stars, um, <laughs> fucking hell. John Stamos. John Stamos, George Lazenby, Gene Simmons, Robert Stargrove. England. Let's, let's Stargrove. In fact, Star Never Too Young to Die. Yeah, the, like believe, just to be clear to people, if people don't know, the lead character has a theme song dedicated to his name. The, oh, no, no, hold on. He has a theme, show dedica- theme song dedicated to him. In the title sequence. Well, we haven't met him yet. Before we've <laughs> we actually met properly met him, and he's jumping around on a trampoline in in a basically a one in a like a leotard. If you think about it, not even James Bond has had a song that's like James Bond. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and, and to top that, so the film starts with 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 um, George Lazenby playing. Um, uh, Stargrove's well, dad. That's his dad, yeah. yeah. So it's a bond, there's a bond connection. Also, it's very similar to Jim Carter, like Jim Carter on the two never two today. Yeah, 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 yeah. All hidden yeah. gems. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Jim Carter's another one. I mean, if you want like four four awesome films, I think I think probably the three most out of that would be Action Jackson, followed by Never Too Young to Die, followed by Jim Carter. Jim Carter. Jim, Jim Carter, Carter, even. Which isn't, a, which isn't a biography of the actor Jim Carter, by the way. <laughs> Jim Carter is the grace of gymnastics and the power of karate. But would that not, that not make the best triple bill ever? Well, that would be an excellent triple bill. Although, although Last Dragon is absolutely incredible. It yeah. is a great film. film. And weirdly, like, Carl Weathers is finally getting a career. Yeah, that's all of a sudden coming out of nowhere, of... isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He's, had a res- like, he's had a resurgence. Like... You've got to wonder, is... He, is, is um, are they going to finally bring back his ghost in Creed 3 or something? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean... It, or CGI a him. Or CGI a younger Carl be, Weathers or something. How funny would it be if they brought him back as a ghost and he was like old Carl Weathers and Carl Stallone would just look at him and just go, what, the ghost age as well? Ghosts get older. Ghosts get <laughs> older. Um, ghosts age. Never Too Young to Die was, was genuinely... It was a film that I fell in love with, and I, I rented it probably five consecutive times. <laughs> um, now there were there were like teenage boy me uh, vanity got a, a knockers out, which was you know always a always a good. And let me don't get me wrong, that bit of the tape got more worn than probably any other bit of the tape. Serious plus sign, isn't it? There's some good action in it, and and on top of all of this, it has like Gene Simmons as a yeah. transgendered. I mean, talk about ahead of the game. Yeah. Like literally, Never Too Young to Die is about thirty years ahead of. I think it's society. it's arguably it's arguably still ahead of its time because no one <laughs> understands. It's a bit like Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China is still ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing has been made. There's nothing has been made that's as good or as entertaining or mind bending and genre smashing as that. I nothing. watched that not that long ago, and it still makes no fucking sense. No, it shouldn't. It's not supposed. To. It's that's what I like about it. You watch it, and you just. It's not go, supposed to make huh? sense. It's not supposed to make sense. And Jack Burton in a rare thing for characters, doesn't learn a single thing. Like literally most nothing. characters, yeah, not a thing. At all. And I, but, I, but it's on purpose. It's <laughs> he's on he's purpose. literally it's the dumbest person ever. Yeah. yeah the same, um, he's the same person at the end as at the beginning. And he's been through the most insane, by the way, monsters and ghosts exist. And it's still the same trucker. It's great. It's awesome. Um, get, if you can find Never Too Young to Die, find it, right? Because it mm. is utterly class. And I actually think maybe me and you should do a commentary episode on that because I think we get it, whereas maybe the people we were trying to do it with didn't. It could work. It could work. I think we could make it work. Our love of that film is high. Um, Oh, I just end up watching it. (laughs) Just end up watching it because it's great. It is, and it's good action as well. Um, 
So, so look, that, that's one of mine. And obviously that led into kind of three that or four. That was fine. That was fine. Yeah, I was going to say, it led, it, I did a Ross. One of my four or five others. Uh, Ross, what would you like to put forward as a, a, a hidden gem? Well, I don't know if I can say Jim Carter now because it's like the perfect. Well, you, you, yeah, I mean, it is the perfect. Uh, it is the perfect kind of thing, isn't it? I'll tell you what, I'll, Jim Carter. Briefly, just everyone. Everyone just watched Jim Carter. I'm not going to tell anything about it, but they basically got a gymnast, a real genuine Olympic level gymnast, uh, Kurt Thomas, to essentially play a guy who does like the world's deadliest game, being hunted, that sort of thing. Uh, and they tried to make gymnastics <laughs> into fighting, which was actually kind of a bold move because it's, you've got to remember this is pre parkour. This is pre-tricking. Ahead of its day again. It really is ahead of its day. Richard Norton is awesome as a villain. Um, Also, you have The Village of the Crazies, which is one of the most creepy things I've ever seen in a film. And you've got people like John Barrett's in it. You've got, like, for martial arts fans, John Barrett, Conan Lee, Tadashi Amashita. Uh, You've got, like, a lot of interesting people in it. And if you haven't seen it, you should seek it out because it's, like, a bit of a classic. Uh, And it doesn't work, but that's what makes it even better. (laughs) Uh, By the way, just quickly go back. uh, Robert Klaus, who did Enter the Dragon 2. Just going back to Never Too Young to Die, you can actually get the whole film on YouTube. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, um, so, and I'm going to put a link to that film in the commentary notes to this episode because I think oh, you should, for sure. it deserves so, to be watched. Jim Carter's one great. I, it is awesome. And it's really enjoyable. Watch it with your mates. You will, you will laugh a lot. One of the best things about it is, like a lot of action, like fight-type movies, there's training montages where he's trained, uh... you know, trained up. And one of the most fantastic things about it is not a single thing he's trained in. Like, he does all sorts of things, like walking upstairs with his hands. He's trained with, like, weapons and all sorts of stuff. He doesn't use a single piece of training in the, in the actual game. Like, not a bit, not a single bit of it. None of it applies, except for his own natural gymnastic skill. None of the special skills he's trained with are used so, whatsoever. Actually, when... here's an interesting question. I wonder how many, if you watched a montage, if you watch every 80s cheese ball mm action mont- uh, training montage how much of that actually ends up being in the next fight they do and I reckon- so well so here's my thing here's my thing I think kickboxing works but Rocky feels supposed to work but here's my thing here's one of my and here's one of my main criticisms of Creed 2 basically that crazy training out in the desert and not a single thing is applied in the final no. fight no I, don't, I mean Creed 2 is such a letdown <laughs> for me I want to see it again at some point when I'm not so high expectations I have I so like many problems with Creed 2 I really, I really, I wanted to like it so bad. I still think Creed, sh- uh, uh, Drago should have won. Like, it's utterly ridiculous that Creed won. Uh, and, yeah. and also, um, it's utterly ridiculous, like, re- preposterous. But I think and I also, he's, you a, are... he's a whiny bitch in that film, which is just ridiculous. I think you I afterwards. You just can't go anywhere now. Unless, no. Yeah, the, the only the thing you can do is like... skip it another, 10, another 20 years and have Creed. Like, a genera- like yeah. another generation. Because, <laughs> can you because imagine genuinely... if Stallone was still training him? But I could, the thing I couldn't understand, the thing I couldn't understand during Creed 2 was I really felt like the writer didn't like any of the characters. I just, I felt like it just didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, they anyway. They weren't the most likely. To... Anyway. Um, okay. So Jim Carter, always a, uh, always a good shout. Um... So the one, so the, the film that I actually wanted to first say as a, as a, uh, a hidden gem is, and you know it well, Love Object. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'd forgotten all about Love Objects. So 2003, uh, myself, Phil, Adrian Foydelli, Kevin, did Kevin come with us? I think yeah, if, I think Kevin did. Because Aid saw it separately from us because we convinced him to go and see the second screening and he loved it. Yes, because he didn't see it with us the yeah. first time, did he? Yeah, because he, um, he was seeing something else or meeting someone or something. But So uh, without giving too much away, it's directed by Robert Parikhi, who's actually quite a big producer now. He produces things like Shield, all sorts of stuff. Oh, nice. But Love 
Love Object was the only film he directed. Uh, and it stars uh, Desmond Harrington, who I'm a massive fan of, Melissa Sajmiller, uh, Udo Kier, Rip Torn, all, like really great people. Um, uh, yeah, it's got a really great cast. has. And the... <laughs> how do I, without giving anything too much away, it's kind of like a dark satire. I don't want to call it a comedy, but it kind of is. It's a dark satire comedy with elements of uh, horror, probably. It is, well, it kind of becomes a horror film. <clears throat> so essentially, and also this is a long time before like Lars and the Real Doll and some other similar films. He basically, so Desmond Harrington's character is this kind of like introverted cubicle worker. So there's a bit of office space in here as well, a little bit. Um, he forms an obsessive relationship with this sex doll that he orders. And he bases the sex doll on this girl that he works with. So he can't, or, or at least what he thinks she is, like what he thinks of her. And that all starts out. And then somehow he actually gets into a relationship with her for real. And he realizes how different she is from his vision of her. Like, even things like he sees like a little tattoo and he doesn't like that. And there's all these other things. And then without giving it away, it gets darker and darker and more obsessive. And you start to wonder, for example, is the doll maybe sentient? There's all sorts of, it's a little bit like magic. The Anthony Hopkins magic, you know, yeah, based on the William Dolman book with the dummy, where you think the dummy might be possibly alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's some similarities there, but it's twisted and brilliant and dark, and the ending was amazing. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I really think you can, I think you can get it. I don't think it's that way. It did come out on DVD, and I think it is available on most platforms, I think. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, like you can get it on Amazon and stuff. So I really recommend it. It's dark and, and weird and wonderful, and it's quite a bit of heart, even though it's quite twisted. Yeah. I really like it. And going back to Cannes, um, mm. I, I, another film that we saw at Cannes that we absolutely fell in love with, and it never got a UK I release. Know, I, know, I know what you're about to Head say. Head Rush, yeah? Yeah, it was fantastic. Head Rush is a stoner comedy, right? And it, it's An Irish. It's an, an Irish, Irish stoner comedy. Um, and it's it doesn't star, but it features Huey Morgan from The Fun Loving Criminals. Yeah. Um, and I'm just looking up the cast because I can't yeah. remember. Um, What's there any names in it? Was it 2003? <laughs> 2003, yeah. Uh, Shimmy Marcus. Oh, uh, yeah. Was the director and writer. Um, and Wooza Conlon. Stephen Burkhoff is in it. Stephen, well, Stephen few, Bur I think that was the year where Stephen Burkhoff was in everything. But there's a few, there's a few names, like say, few yeah, um, and stuff. But basically, it's the best way to describe it is it is a total stoner comedy, right? Mm. Um, and it it's about drug deals and marijuana and all these things and it makes very little sense but mm. it's really fucking entertaining and possibly it has one of the funniest moments in a film that i'd seen probably at all at that time that where, the, mobile li the mobile library oh no i was so i was talking about um i think about the bit where huey morgan um like you see he's dressed in like a skirt and high heels okay yeah um and it's, but it's just the most random film but it was brilliant. Yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. And it never got a UK release. And I don't think, I don't think we particularly, we don't, I don't remember, we, we, I think we just thought we weren't just going to see it for a laugh. I don't remember a particular reason. I, I, think, was I just, think I wanted to see it because of Huey. Of yeah, Huey maybe. that was exactly it. I was a fan of The Fun Loving Criminals and um, Huey, so, so someone passed me a flyer and said, oh, Huey Morgan's in it. And I was like, okay, cool, we're in. And we went to see it, and I think again we saw it with Aid and Kevin. It was a late night screening. It was like 11, 10, 11 o'clock or something. It was, it was a late, late night. One. Yeah, it was a late night. Yeah. Um, but it was fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. And I really can't true. recommend it enough. And it's just such a shame that 
Uh, it describes itself as a black caper crime comedy. So it's got that kind of lock stocky element to it, I guess. Um, and slightly, yeah, slightly. slightly, yeah, slightly, slightly. But it's just a shame that it never got a proper UK release. Mm. Not completely. Um, in fact, according to the IMDb, it was only ever released in Ireland, Netherlands, USA, and Hungary. Because they shot it in Amsterdam, somewhere in Amsterdam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that. Um, very funny, very clever. You can probably find it online. Um, mm. It's good. So go. That's terrific. So yeah, head rush. That's my that's my next uh, um, uh, hidden gem. Over to you, I'm Ross. Struggling. I'm struggling to think of <laughs> so wow. many. I can, well, I mean, I can name any canon film. Well, okay. I mean, um, you you yeah. joke though, but you posted something about American Ninja, and I think you know that again yeah. for me is a film I watched I not like that I long s- ago. It's just, I feel like I've spoken about it so many times, so I don't... Let I mean, me speak about it. American Ninja's good, man. I watched it a couple of months... I watched it about six months it's ago. It's great. Still, it's still great. Like, yeah, it's it so is. much fun. Dudikoff is fantastic. Yeah. Words that and very Steve, Steve James, more than anything. Yeah, well, Steve but. James. He, did he die? Yes, a long time ago. In between... He was very, very, young, very young when he passed away. I think he was wasn't like in 50s. one of the sequels, was he? Well, it was... Uh, he, Number three was the last one he did, but I think he was still around when number four was being made, but he didn't do it. Yeah, he died in 1993, age 41. Yeah. No, I thought it was 51. No, according to this, 41. Was he 41? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. And one of his last films, I mean, talk about kind of checking out on a high, he checked out with Weekend at Bernie's 2 and Blood Fist 5. Yeah, Bluffish Five. Bluffish Five is actually quite good fun. Hey, I'm not. I'm not taking the piss. I like both of those no. films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. But in... I'm just saying. No, but I'm saying that was one of the best because Bluffish was sort of variable titles. Three is amazing. Genuinely, a really great film. And then because it's a prison drama with yeah. fighting, which is quite good. Richard Roundtree's in it. Oh, good. Richard Roundtree, uh, cool. Yeah, and Five is very good as well. Gen- like, genuinely very good. But well, um, good, good action film. It's uh, you know, like you said, canon film. Nineteen forty-one. It's really upsetting. Yeah. 1985, um, produced by Cannon, starring Michael Dudikoff, and it's just batshit mental. Again, another film that makes literally no sense. Oh, what? American Ninja? It, it's not the most kind of, you know... It I just, think it's fairly straightforward. It, but it's, straightforward. you've just got, like... I mean, it's one of those films that kind of telegraphs everything it does from a... Yeah, a perfect. <laughs> Like perfectly, that's nice. But yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it sits with a meta score for Metacritic of 20. Oh. I think what you'll find is actually in common with a lot of these films that we pick, probably most of them are hated by the majority of people. Yeah, actually, I've got a great one. Go on. So uh, it's actually an adaptation of, um, oh, God damn, what's his name? Alistair, Alistair McLean. He did all those like tough guy things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Is it Ice Station Zebra? I mean, he wrote the books, you know, Ice Station Zebra stuff. So, Fear is the Key. Fear is, is 19... the Key. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Like, really, really brilliant film. Uh, 1972 stars Barry Newman, John Vernon, of all people. It has um, the first role that Ben Kingsley ever played in it. Oh, of really? Yeah. Yeah, and a few other people. <laughs> um, but it, it's. It, you could never... Okay, just to be clear, when you start watching Fear is the Key, you could not possibly guess the end. Like, there's absolutely no way you can guess the end. And I shouldn't really give away the plot because that kind of explains... That's what kind of comes at the end as to why it's all happening. Okay. But there's, essentially, there's this guy who basically gets himself arrested. There's, there's the most insane car chase you've ever seen at the beginning. Like, it's utterly incredible, car chase. Um, 
And there are set pieces through this film that are just extraordinary. All the action set pieces are terrific. Um, and this guy who's at the centre of all it, like causing all this truck, like he's in the middle of all this mayhem, he's clearly desperate to get revenge. because It's essentially a revenge film, uh, but it's more elaborate than that. And it's really hard to go into it about, uh, without, without well, sort don't, of don't explaining give, what it's about. No, no, no. I, I really think genuinely Fear is the Key is a terrific thriller. The action, like at the beginning, this car chase, you'll just be like, what? How? Like, like, <laughs> no, but you really will. Like, but you really, even for a film maybe like, you know, like the early 70s, the stunts are, at, I mean, look, we know that that time was great for filmmaking anyway, but like everything being absolutely physical and practical yeah. with, no, you know, the way it's shot. It, Fear is the Key is terrific. And the ending, which is essentially a tension ending, I can't really explain it. The end, at the end, it's not an action film. Okay. It is. It. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to explain. It's. It's utterly brilliant. I really, really recommend it. And it was, you know, at the time it was a mainstream film. But when I say, when we say hidden gems, it's just most people won't have heard of it now. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's it's exactly tremendous. it. Um. So, um, I'm going to put forward a couple of '90s films now from my my time at university. A couple of films that I saw Ooh. that I really enjoyed. Um. One is a 1995 film called The Last Supper. Oh, okay. Starring, oh, it's a great film. Yeah. Natasha Henstridge, Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameron Diaz. Uh, Cameron Diaz's first kind of dark role. Well, it was also the last time. It was the first film that I think, and it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this film didn't screen theatrically in the UK. So she was quite a big star from The Mask and everything. Oh, hang on. No, no, no. Yeah, I, no, saw, no. These, I saw this in the cinema. It's Cameron Diaz. It's Cameron Diaz. Not yeah. Natasha Henstridge. Sorry. Um, oh, did you see the cinema? Yeah, I saw this in the cinema. Uh, maybe um, 100% in Carlisle, but it's got uh, Ron Perlman. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ron Perlman, Bill Paxton, Courtney Vance, yep. Annabeth Gish, yeah. Charles Sterling. It, it, but Mark it's one of those films that kind of it never gets screened. You never it's see a very it on good TV. Film. But it's, it's a, a really dark, low budget. And it was of that. I, I always say that like, the beginning of the 90s, and I say the beginning, it was 95, but those first kind of, you know, Reservoir Dogs onwards unlocked mm. this whole independent cinema. Thing that that kind of let with clerks and this and you know yeah. and, and, and big f- small films were getting cinema releases and c- attracting larger talent and being able to be kind of a bit more risky. It was such an interesting time for filmmaking back in the early nineties. And the Last Supper was, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect film by any fucking stretch. But no. it, I watched it not that long ago, and it, it holds up really well. And it's just a really interesting film. And and going back to back with that, and it's a, it's a bit more kind of well-known, a bit more mainstream, but um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Go from 1999, but which I love no one film. ever oh, talks about anymore. Yeah, I love that film. And again, it was that film. It was that, again, it was that kind of film that kind of, it was edgy, independent. It fucked around with... Um, Doug Lyman as well. Yeah, Doug Lyman, exactly. Uh, Doug Lyman, when Doug Lyman used to make in used to make kind of a good film every now and then. Oh, yes. He does make some weird films now. Um, yeah. But, you know, so I, I was a huge, 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 huge fan of that film. Um, mm. And of course, I mean, and going back to back to back to back to back, probably if you wanted to do it in a, in a kind of three great films back to back, I would say you watch The Last Supper, you watch Swingers, and then you watch Go. That would be pretty good. As a, as a kind of, as, as a wicked triple bill. Because again, that same independent kind of era, um, Swingers was, was another one of those great kind of indie films that just kind of came out and you just were like, well, fucking hell. 
God, man, they don't. <laughs> I don't want to sound old here, but they don't make films like they used to in the nineties. So I'm, I'm going to do a couple again, weirdly can related, particularly cool. one. We saw a lot of good shit at Cannes over the years. So, the year 2000, <clears throat> the title did change from Cannes. There was a film screen in Cannes called The Irrefutable Truth About Demons. Okay. It, subsequ- it subsequently got released as just The Truth About Demons. And it was one of Carl Urban's first films. Oh, yeah. And he's amazing in it. So, essentially, it's a New Zealand set film directed by Glenn Standring, who's done a bunch of really good, fun genre movies. Uh, and the way to describe it is, and it's a bit simple, but okay. So he plays urban plays an anthropologist <laughs> called Henry Ballard, who who researches obscure demon cults and sects since his brother passed away, victim of one of those cults. So one day he receives a threat from a like a cult called the Black Convent, uh, and they sort of intend to pursue him. Right? Uh, he then gets help from his. Uh, as they sell known to be a strange, sexy woman. Uh, he makes his way through the night in search of his salvation, the redemption of his lost brother. Now, this film, it, it, it plays with your mind a lot. It plays with, like, what's actually happening. Is this all happening? Is it happening? Is it not happening? Etc. It's a very, very good, scary horror film. Like, it's, it's very good. And if you're into, like, cultist-type films, or, like, The Following, or things like that, yeah, it's really, it's really excellent for that. And even to a degree, it's got a little bit of Clive Barker-ishness in it. Okay. It's got that kind of feel. Really, really like and it's very street level. Like as supernatural as does it get supernatural or not get supernatural. Um, but as as weird as things get, it always kind of has this kind of street level gritty feel, which is just really great. It's, and here's the thing, it, it screamed twice it unless I'm misremembering, it screamed twice in can and the buzz around the first screening was so massive that the second screening was just completely rammed. Like you just you just couldn't get into it, so I was quite lucky to see it the first time around. Sort of. oh, uh, and okay. it did come, it did come out on DVD in the UK, and I do have it. It's fantastic. But the other one, this is a bit of a weird timing that you said in gems, actually, <clears throat> because this film is a film I saw in my first can. Okay, uh, it is literally the twentieth anniversary of it. And weirdly, I listened to this podcast called "The Best Films Never Made" or "Best Movies Never Made." Yeah. And funnily enough, they covered the sequel to this film because it never got made. Um, and it just it just brought back all these memories. And in fact, they actually directly, just as a tangent, they directly talk about a story that happened at that can screening, which I was at. So it just it just brought it all back to me, which was quite oh, cool. Nice. Like, yeah, this whole thing about William Shatner. And and I won't go into the story, but it's yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, and um, <clears throat> so this film is called Free Enterprise. And it came, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it came off the back of things like Clerks and everything. It was like it was a little bit later, like ninety nine, <laughs> maybe ninety eight. Uh, and essentially, it's well, first of all, it's a comedy. It's like a rom com. It's a very geeky rom com, way before Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. Uh, and but it, you can see how Big Bang would have sprung out of it. And essentially, it's two guys or two young guys who who idolise Bill Shatner, uh, and they they basically meet him and he advises them on their life. Yeah, and very small anecdote about this is that when they first pitched the film to him, he was like this amazing guru full of wisdom and life experience and everything. And he apparently said to them, "But well, I'm not this guy. Like I love what you've done, but I'm not this guy. I'm really fucked up. Like I, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with girls. Like I don't know." And he said, "I'll do it. I mean, so I'm paraphrasing, but I'll do yeah. it if you make me a fuck up." And that's what makes it even better. There's this incredible uh, bit where. He says to her, again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact line, 
But essentially, the whole, whole all the way through the film, he's talking about how he's going to do a one man show of Julius Caesar in the part, like doing yes. Julius Caesar yeah, in the part. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Round, yeah. And Eric McCormack, this is this, I think this was a special. It was just before Will and Grace. He said, "But if if you're doing a one man show, doesn't that mean you've got to stab yourself in the back?" So that's <laughs> just I, I love that line. And then later on, Shatner says to them, "It's like it's like a party later on," uh, and he says to them. Uh, I know it's crazy to do a one-man show that's four hours long that's Julius Caesar in the park as a one-man show. I know that's crazy, but I could do it. <laughs> I absolutely love that film. I, oh, so many amazing. sci-fi references, so many geek references, so much sci-fi references. Yeah, it's a genuinely good one. I saw it years ago. but It's, it's, it's really terrific. Yeah. It's really terrific. I recommend it hugely. In fact, I'm going to try and dig it out before I go to Cannes tomorrow. Like, nice. I am actually just try to see if I can watch it tonight because it's so much fun. We saw a lot of great kind of... Um, be- there was that Korean sex comedy. Oh, I, see, that's one I never saw. Was it Wet uh, Dreams? Or wet, dreams wet Dreams, that's or it. Yeah, yeah. See, see I didn't see, see You guys saw it. You guys saw it. I didn't see it. I mean, the, the very concept of a Korean sex comedy is just baffling, right? But it <laughs> worked. <laughs> and it worked. Koreans do have... You know that Koreans have sex like other people? <laughs> no, no, but it's just... It was just... Yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. I know, I know. It's, it's basically American Pie, <laughs> yeah, but in Korean. And if that sounds like the best film ever, it it kind of was. It kind of was fucking brilliant. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of end us up with, or you can do one more. Um, I'm gonna do one more, okay. but this is one that we both love. Um, mm-hmm. and again, another film I watched not that long ago. Um, is a uh, an action film called Perfect Weapon. Oh, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> but again, it's a film that. No, I mean, that's, I don't, yeah, when yeah. you say that, all I need to say is I don't know. Rapid Fire, like it's the same. Yeah, quality. yeah. But, but that's the thing. People know Rapid Fire a little bit. I think yeah. people. I don't think people know Perfect Weapon. And probably not. Well, probably less. It's a great film. Uh, Jeff Ooh. Speakman. It's you know he's um, it, it's it's a really really good film. It's probably about the only film that he did really, wasn't it? Like. No, 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 no. He did loads of, well, he did loads, but most of them were lower budget. Yeah. But they were always, but actually, for the most part, barring a few, literally barring a few, they always looked quite impressive budget. They, they never looked cheap, cheap. Okay. The never looked cheap, cheap. No, they, they really did. Perfect Weapon um, is, is a top film. Anything anything from you before we sign off, Mr. Boyask? I just, no, I think that's just a really good one. For people who don't know, it's, it's just an awesome, proper martial arts movie made by Paramount, so it had proper production values. Uh, Rapid Fire at the same time was Fox, wasn't it? So, like, they, they were very much the same time, same year. They're very yeah, terrible. yeah, it was kind of Rapid Fire, Perfect Weapon, Showdown, Little Tokyo were all of the same yeah, era. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, exactly. Showdown was obviously a Water Brothers film, but it was like, it's like, yeah, those, those two, and certainly Perfect Weapon, if you're saying the more obscure one, essentially, Jeff Speedman, it is a terrific <laughs> martial arts action film. Like, and, it, I mean, it's non-stop no, it, entertainment. It's great. And if, again, if you want a nice triple bill, Perfect mm. Weapon, Rapid Fire, and Showdown Little Tokyo. Yeah, that, that would do it. I mean, is that <laughs> is that not the most amount of joy in a movie? Yeah, that would be excellent. That would be a really good film. That would be great, wouldn't it? So not only have we we given you some, some real kind of um, hidden gem movies, but we've actually also put them into some awesome um, kind of uh, triple headers. Yeah, in context, there's a bit of context. And we're gonna we're gonna be pitching each of these triple headers to the Prince Charles cinema. <laughs> we should. <laughs> can you imagine? I write, I write I write Perfect Weapon quite a bit there, actually. Uh, can you and imagine? Jim Carter, Jim Carter, I write every time. I can. <laughs> can you imagine though if they they did Never Too Young to Die with Action Jackson and um, Jim Carter as a as a triple header? I mean, 
I mean, any of them at any time. <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I want to see because I remember when we hired out. Um, yeah, when we did the premiere for uh, Ten Dead Men and Left for Dead, we hired out the Odeon, right, yeah. in Brighton. Yeah. And it wasn't that expensive. Not really. It's a few hundred, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I mean, it'd be more now. But I wonder, right, if we maybe even just, like, hired the Duke of York's and just did, like, how much if we could just put, like, hire it early? And just me and you hire the whole cinema and we just watch Never Turn <laughs> to Die. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Next birthday, I reckon, right, Ross. Our birthdays are in August. It's not, it's not our birthdays are in August, right? Now, thinking this, yeah. thinking this through, right? Our birthdays in August, as a birthday present to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, if anyone well, so else wants see, to but, come, but they I can. Had, but if I had, but if I had to pick, it'd be Jim Carter, though. Uh, see, Just to sort of see that. We, we, we'd have to. I think we'd have to meet in the if middle. Only, if we only, well, say if only, if we, but that's if we have to pick one. Yeah. Yeah, we could probably do back to back. Jim Carter and Never Too Young to Die, <laughs> and and it's heaven, empty, empty cinema, and then just me and you, probably Glenn, me, you, Glenn. Yeah, um, it'd be awesome. Be the best day ever, right, Ross? Yeah. Where can the good people hear and find out more about you? Oh, yeah. Should you wish to pursue me, uh, it's at Ross Boyask on all the things, and then at Evo Films UK for Evolutionary Films. Uh, Vengeance Two is probably going to be out later this year. We hope it's certainly delivering in June, so that's nice. good. So let's see. I don't know when it'll be released, but you know, sometime in the near future, watch out for announcements and stuff. Cool. And don't forget to check out www.philsquickreview.co.uk uh, for more reviews, blogs, and features. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter, Phil Quick Review. Uh, no S, so that's Phil Quick Review on Twitter. And you can check us out on Instagram, uh, Ross and Phil Talk Movies. Uh, we mm-hmm. will be back uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, no doubt, with. Um, a chat with Mr. Boyesk about can. Yes, yes. We always do a little sense. bit of a can chat. I, I, I miss can going to can. Um, so we'll be back in mm. a couple of couple of weeks probably with another episode. Um, and this time we will be talking about Khan Film Festival. And we'll, 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 do, we'll talk about uh, Ross's experience this year and then we'll probably regale you with some stories from um, our times going there. I think we did that. That'd be great fun. I, I still, I'm now keep telling people about the marijuana that we found that we hid. That was the best, the, 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 the next year thing was one of the best moments I've ever had in Cannes. <coughs> and I'd forgotten it. Fun, it, was, it was one of the funniest things. I've and I'd forgotten it. And that's the worst thing. I think we have told this story on the podcast before, but we Probably. won't tell it again because it's fucking Probably. awesome. Like um, two old men talking stories. <laughs> like, yeah. Round the campfire. That time, that time I went to, yes, you said this last week, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> I yes, could have been yes. someone. I could have been a contender. Don't uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I was given paranormal powers as a child. I've hacked into just about all the information I need. They have no idea. No more books! You were given a power. Others want to take this from me. He's writing about government secrets. I knew I loved you when I was eight years old. All this time, I haven't been working on my next book. I've hacked into the most secret government and corporate secrets. I'm using it to make a real difference.
and I'm going to expose them all. Should I be afraid? Should we be afraid? I'm not ready for this. I want to be honest with all of you. I've been hacking into government and corporate systems all over the country. You're going to get yourself killed. But you should be scared because it is the truth. Act now on your own outside of the corporate systems and these incompetent politicians. You want to get out of here, but you can't see what's about to happen. 